This is the Tomato Tomato Podcast. I am your host, Chris. With me is the other co-host. <laughs> the way you like screamed the intro was kind of great. It was like, this is the Tomato Tomato Podcast. <laughs> I like it. It, it was, it was a, a new I just, change. I just got to make sure I get their attention. Yeah, I think you got their attention. But it, it, was, it was a very gripping opening. It was a little bit different than how I kind of do it. But I like it. Yeah, yeah. You're but, very Ira Glass oh about it. Oh, God. Am I? No, I mean, you're like a step above Ira. You're not whispery, <laughs> but, you know. Hello and welcome to the Tomato Tomato Podcast. <laughs> and now there are people going, it's like, oh, it's Tomato Tomato. It's not Tomato Tomato. Oh, wow. <laughs> God, okay. Now that we went on that whole tangent, I never said my name. Um, but so I'm your other co-host, Jenna. And we are here to talk about a movie that I suggested, and then as soon as it got over, I immediately apologized. I apologized to you for suggesting this movie, because it was inevitable that we were going to talk about a movie like this. It it was one of those things where it's like, so when I was in, like, high school and in, like, my early years of college and stuff, I would sit and watch movies a lot, just, like, for the sake of watching something by myself, and it would be like, I'm gonna get through my Netflix queue and watch a bunch of, like, really stupid stuff that I wouldn't necessarily recommend to people, but I'm just gonna watch it to say that I watched it and then move on. And this felt like one of those movies, so then... As you were watching it with me, I'm just like, I'm putting him through two hours of nonsense, (laughs) and I kind of feel bad, because this Uh. is insane. (laughs) But it also, yeah, like you said, it's one of those things where it's like, we've talked about bad movies. This is the first movie we've talked about that's like a current movie that's bad. It it is bad, and now we can be a part of that conversation. Yes. Of... The badness of it. Um, yes. <laughs> if you don't read episode descriptions or titles, we're talking about Netflix's Death Note. Oh, the, boy. I don't know if we can even call it an adaptation the... of the beloved anime series movie. It's, I guess it's, it's a plethora it's, of it's things, which like, I did not know there was so It's like anime, manga, TV series, Broadway books, musical. Games, TVs, movies. It's everywhere. There was literally a musical, which makes me really Jeez. happy. But I did not know it was that expansive of a like, franchise. It's like super popular. It's one of those things where when I, I had like a very brief anime and manga phase in my early days of middle school because I was friends with the kind of people that were into that. And I was like, oh, cool. And then I kind of, people would explain things to me and I would be like, ew, that sounds too gory or ew, that's too complicated. That's too many things for like too many chapters or episodes for me to try to get into and death note was kind of one of those things where it was like this seems like a huge task to get into this thing so i just never got into it in college i think i saw not by choice like i was over at some friends and it was Mm -hmm. like hey let's watch some death note Mm -hmm. and i maybe saw an episode but like I don't remember a mm-hmm. thing from it. So really, I have no kind of frame of reference mm-hmm. or expectations before going into it, other than I knew the concept of Death Note. Yeah, part of it for me, I I mean, like, comicbook.com covers a lot of anime stuff. It's, like, one of our biggest avenues. It, there would be some nights where I'm like, I need to write one more article, and there's an assignment about the Death Note movie and it's not like it's not like I really need to know the actual like 
source material death note. I can just write this article and be done. And so I would write a couple of those and then I'd be like, oh, this doesn't sound horrible. Like this sounds like something I would watch possibly. Yeah. Like I, I feel like that'll like, like there's some cool concepts, but there, it's just so expansive. A lot of it. And yeah. it's like, I just, I just don't have the time exactly or the, the drive to start any of it. Exactly. But it like, like yeah. not to be dismissive of the entire genre, but I just, it's, it's a huge undertaking. It, it absolutely is. But like, I this, have enough on my plate. Yeah. I have enough content to capture up on watching. This felt like an accomplishment for me. Cause I was like, I'm actually watching like a thing that's currently in pop culture. That isn't just like podcast and YouTube videos. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I feel no, cause proud that was my morning. I, I spent my morning watching YouTube videos uh-huh. and then you're like, all right, what are we going to do the podcast on? It's like, ah, shit. I don't know. And then <laughs> it's like, oh, videos. wow. <laughs> But yeah, it's like, I felt kind of accomplished watching this because it was like a thing that people were talking about. So if you don't know what Death Note is, uh, the core concept is this bored teenager uh, comes into possession of a Death Note, which is this book where where you write the name of someone and the uh, this the weird w- demon being uh, <laughs> kills them. But like, it, it, yeah, and you also have to say how they die, because otherwise, if you don't say that, then you the have demon, to spend, the, the, the demon just kind of chooses how they die. And there's a whole list of rules like, in this book. There's like a hundred rules. Which you would think, if you came into possession of this book, it's like, you know, what, I'm going to spend the hour or two to go through all of these no. rules before I start willy nilly killing people. But you know, that doesn't make a good movie. So we have to figure no. out all of the rules over the course of the two hours that is this movie. Then again, I never read the the terms. <laughs> yeah, the uh, terms and conditions. So, so why would I read, you know, a hundred rules of uh, Death Note? Honestly, if I saw this, like, if I was in possession of a Death Note, I would just nope out i would be like i am no i am not doing I would, this <laughs> i would bring it to like a used bookstore and it's like what can i get for this can i get some store credit <laughs> god yeah like just sell it as like a vintage book like oh this is one of those old like handwritten books i don't really understand what it means it's just a bunch of names but it could be something so like can i get 50 dollars for it <laughs> And I then can do five. Yeah, I can do five. <laughs> Is five and a Burger King coupon okay? Yeah, mm-hmm. which uh, that would be a, a little bit more than the tomato meter. Oh, yeah, what is the tomato meter? I never actually looked at it. I just, like, went straight to finding the reviews. So it's 41% okay. on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, average rating 4.7 out of 10. It has a total of 50 reviews. So it's um, not technically certified one way or another. No. No, it's not. So it has 20 fresh reviews and 30 rotten. Yeah. Uh, The audience score is 25% (laughs) liked it, rating 2 out of 5 with a little over 4,000 user ratings. It's like we talk about the audience score a lot, but this is one of those cases where I totally think it was a deliberate... Like, this is one of those cases where if you were a fan of the original Death Note and you were deciding whether or not to watch the movie, you (laughs) would actually go to the Rotten Tomatoes page and it would influence your decision. Yeah. So I think, like, the audience score is reflective of how many people did not like this movie. Yes. Um... I feel like it had a lot going against it from the beginning, even before its release. Yeah. Uh, which, when we get into the reviews, I feel like that'll 
we'll get into that more. Also, um, I just or, totally realized a thing. I messed up our usual format. I only sent, I only picked one fresh review and two rotten reviews, even though I meant to do the opposite. But I well, still I, think I think the, finding fresh reviews for this would be hard. It is hard, even though like. Yeah, there were quite a bit, but it felt like a lot of them were exactly the same sort of thing. But I also think that sums up this movie because we're just kind of like, well, that was a thing. Like, it was like I I do not do this often. Very rarely do I do this during a movie or a show where I check how much time <laughs> is left. I did that like three or four times. Like I paused it just to see how much time was left during it. And it's like, oh, if we got 40 minutes left in this. I got up to get a drink of water and I paused it and I wasn't intending to check out how much was left. And I'm like, we're only halfway through this movie. That's about the first time when I did it too. It's like, we're only halfway. It's so frustrating. But it is. It, it's, it's interesting in how frustrating it is. The first review we have is from Roger Ebert. Dot com. Yeah, it's uh, not from Roger Ebert. He didn't rise up from the grave to shit on Death Note. Yeah, yeah he didn't hate the movie that much that he rose from the dead <laughs> to write this. But no, it, it, it comes from Brian Tolicaro. I think. Uh, just tweet at me if that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and he gave it a one-star review. Um, yeah, so this, obviously this is a negative review. It's rotten in their eyes. Um, I think, but like, I'm at the same time, I think that there's the, the review kind of opens with something that I personally agree with, with regards to this movie is that like, I feel like this movie almost could have worked better if they had just completely, if they had taken the concept itself and then applied it to a completely different set of characters. Like, if you're going to set it in America and make the kid who finds it white and make this whole sort of different dynamic with the Death Note, don't give them the same names and kind of, like, half-ass adapting the characters. Exactly. Like, because in my mind, I almost thought when they first announced it and there was going to be a white cast, I thought it's like, oh, okay, you know, so maybe the Death Note came from Japan and it found its way in America. That's the angle I thought they were going for. It was like, no, this is a literal kind of translation of these uh, uh, Asian characters to American characters. And it's like, oh, now we have a problem. And it just falls apart. Yeah, and it, it, like, I almost feel like... It would. I feel like it would have been responded to a little bit better with fans if they hadn't tried so hard to half-assedly adapt the characters and the storyline and that whole sort of dynamic. Because from my understanding from these reviews, they didn't do a very good job. Like there was a lot that was either like thrown in as an extra thing or was taken out or whatever. And it just kind of yeah. in the process, it becomes its own thing. So I'm like, you shouldn't have called these characters the same names then. Because yeah, apparently yeah. this is trying to adapt a whole slathering like, of stuff from the whole entire series into a less than two hour movie. Yeah. And they could have very easily had a small scale story that's simpler and not all over the place. I almost feel like this could have worked better as a Netflix like series. I really thought it should have been, and that was the impression I had. It's like, oh, they're going to do a Death Note series. No, it's just a movie. It's like, oh, well, hmm. Give it, like, a Defenders level, like, eight-episode <clears throat> season and try to actually 
consciously put effort into the story instead of just like we have two hours the characters yeah. and, oh, God. and make me like them <laughs> i'm like motivation character development any reason this, for doing anything every, it does everything not about exist. this movie <laughs> the characters and the plot go from one to 100 in a second it's so uh, fascinating everything escalates so quickly which like going into the like because with the two hour time limit that kind of makes sense of like we have to hit the ground running very quickly but it's like he gets the death note which by the way i almost messaged one of our like anime people from work and almost asked her like does the death note just fall from the sky because i'm like that is such a stupid entrance but i also don't know if that's reflective of the source material me neither like there are so many things that happen that i don't know if it was just poorly done or is like are they actually adapting a thing from the source material and they're just adapting feel, it badly yeah, yeah i feel like if i had a better understanding or knew more about the world of death note i would pick up on things like oh this is supposed to be this this is adapted from this story but i have no frame of reference instead so it was just plot the majority holes. of it sucked <laughs> instead it's just giant plot holes but yeah it's like so he gets the death note like two minutes in four minutes in is the weirdest possible line out of the entire movie which you missed because you were talking to me and then i go did you not catch that line like the absolutely bonkers line because I had seen people on Twitter and Tumblr making fun of it because it's like he he goes to like get beat up by a bully or whatever and then he is trying to taunt the bully and he goes hey you were held back right so that means that you're older than 18 because you were held back so don't try to beat me up because if you would hit me it would technically be child abuse and I'm like what is happening I don't know what these writers have done before but the it, okay, so review says they try to simplify things, which they did not do a good job of that. Apparently, there, there are like three different writers on this movie. I'm going to look are. it up. Because one that I... It's Charlie Paraladines, Vlaz Paraladines, and Jeremy Slater. Jeremy Slater is best known, according to IMDb, for writing Fantastic 4%. Oh, well, there you fucking go. Fan t- for... Fan uh, for stick. Fan for stick, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, that explains a lot. That's, like, the dialogue is so clunky, and the, the Ebert review notes that. That it's just, it's just very cliched, boring, like, tropey teen stuff. It's like, we can change the world. It's like, you're we, fucking 15. as in us? It's like, uh... Yeah, the whole third act... I'm like, I, the, just the third act in particular, I'm like, this should be building to something that's actually, like, snappy dialogue, really fascinating stuff, like, all of this is culminating into something. And it was just the blandest, most predictable dialogue of, like, now give me the book. No, I don't want to. Blah, blah, blah. If you love me, you wouldn't. And it's like, what and is s- And so many things built on uh, conveniences and deus ex machinas. Like, when... Uh, the the kid Kier, Nick, not Kier, what's his name Light. Light when he's in the alley with L oh, yeah. and then the guy randomly hits L with the board and's like go you're cool it's like what that was such I like just, uh, that was such a weird thing because I didn't necessarily hate that but it also felt so out of place in the context of yeah. the rest of the narrative because the narrative that they're kind of building is that like everything works out for him because he can control people and then he can kill them because like he can control people two days up to their death or whatever so I was thinking oh he 
but then that wouldn't have even really made, made sense of like, oh, he could control this guy that owns the restaurant. So then he saved him and then he died. But instead it's like this weird fight club sort of thing where it's like, I know, I know who you are, like your like anarchy that you're trying to cause. And I think you're awesome. So I'm going to help you. I was like, that was so weirdly out of place. There were so many things that felt out of place. Uh, in the Ebert review, uh, they say, the biggest problem is that Wingard and company clearly refused to make light the anti-hero he needed to be, so they added a love interest and pervert the entire concept, leaving the project hollow at its center. And that's basically the core problem. Yeah. It's trying to be a couple different things, and it failed at all of them. It's just, yeah. Because it's like the concept of this, and then from what I understand, they handle it completely differently in the source material of like actually making him an anti-hero and making it where it's like what he's doing has a good reason, even though you know that it's bad. But like with it, this, it's just yeah. so muddied because it's like half that. And it's also half this like Bonnie and Clyde, like <clears throat> let's just and then hook Mia's up and kill people. Yeah. Mia's character is an OC. I know. She kind of she has an analog character from the anime. Yeah. From my understanding. But the characterization is so different and her, her main reason for being there is contrived. From my understanding, though, because like our our resident anime person at Comic Book, actually, from what I from what I understand, she like loved Mia's part of the whole movie. She thought that that was a really good addition, which is interesting because like every review seems to be against that. Of like, oh well, you just added in this OC and then you gave her this plot line that makes no sense and completely just kind of detracts from everything else. I feel like they didn't go far enough with her character because she yeah. was like the the devil on his shoulder. Yeah, that's what and, Ebert and then they have, calls it. I think. Yeah, they have this point in I think like the beginning of the third act. Yeah, where she conf- professes her love for him again. Mm-hmm. It's like I love you, really. Yeah, I love you, and it's like uh, I groaned and cringed <laughs> so goddamn hard at that because I could not buy into it because the dialogue sucks and the uh, the. There was no development of their relationship other than it's like, oh my god, you kill people, let's bone now. It's like, no. I know, no, and I'm like, how how am I supposed to watch that and be okay with like that? Like, they're simultaneously because boning and writing names in the book. It's a it montage is. of them hooking up, and then it goes immediately to, like, someone killing themselves in a prison. And it's like, I can understand that. As, like, the concept of, I'm going to use this thing to, like kill horrible people all around the world is an interesting thing but it like instead of making the focus of like instead of stretching that part into like a longer sequence it's literally just a montage to go from oh well we're doing this thing that's right and then all of a sudden it's just like people indiscriminately kind of getting killed in the process over the course of like a three minute montage yeah it's it's so weirdly handled it's, yeah, and, like, so, I'm... What does this review say? It says that <clears> it becomes a gore fest almost immediately, which I agree with, because it's, like, within the first ten minutes, you get someone's head decapitated clean off in this, like, disgusting kind of way. But then the rest of the movie doesn't really deliver. I mean, it does. Yeah, it's It sets up this tone of, like, we're going to have gruesome deaths, and then they kind of have that in the montage again where it's very i got like final fantasy yeah not final uh, final destination vibes yeah from it. which like this review references it's like when guard gleefully stages the ensuing the ensuing carnage like he's planning to reboot final destination next 
which like, yeah, it is kind of similar in that way, but it then like drops off completely to where like a lot of the later kills in the movie are not very bloody or very, they're barely even really shown. And I'm just like, that's such a weird, like, it's almost like a rewrite halfway through, which is just bizarre. And that's what the Ebert review touches on is uh, one realizes just how totally screwed the whole thing is. Yeah. Because it, it, it wants to be like this gore fest movie, but it also wants to be a little bit horror, but it also wants to be a little teen angsty yeah. romance. It wants to be like a coming of age story, but it it's in this context that makes that so bizarre because it's like this is this has so much like i don't know it's rated tvma which is an interesting rating i forgot that netflix originals aren't really rated on a normal system but it's like it's interesting to kind of be like i'm making a teen movie but then make it like super gory and having them swear every two seconds and all that sort of stuff which that was interesting to me all the use of like swear words and doesn't usually register to me but in this case it felt like the teenage edgy sort of like i'm so cool i'm gonna say the f word every other word yeah i should we go on to another review i'm just skimming through the rest of this review oh well because it says that here comes or here we get back to the fatal flaw of death note it doesn't feel like any of these alterations to the source material and there are many of them had any true artistic or thematic purpose why make this or that change why add this character or change this plot point if there's no true answer then it's all just a hollow exercise i agree with that like the from my understanding it's like what what they crafted didn't really feel like i kind of said before you either could have completely just taken the concept and put it on a new set of characters or you could have taken the concept and told this the faithful adaptation story but instead it kind of exists in the middle yeah they wanted to straddle the fence and then they just fell on their face it's just this weird like hybrid that like does not end up being either one yeah, they, it's like they wanted to please the fans of the source material while trying to appeal to uh, audiences who have no idea what this is. What, what I find funny is that, like, you and I both agreed when we watched this that Willem Dafoe is, like, leagues better than everyone else that is in this movie. He doesn't deserve to be in this. He really doesn't. Um, but he's, I mean, it was easy for him. He just had to go to the studio put on a little mocap uh-huh. uh, yeah, so did you voiceover. did you watch the whole like and the the credits before the credits started rolling like the mo- I, yeah i skimmed just to see those little like weird behind the scenes it was bits such a weird juxtaposition it because it's like hey we're all jokey we're like this having how outtakes much fun we and had. stuff I'm yeah like, and it's like N- no this is totally off from the movie you just presented me it was so bizarre and like it almost felt like a choice, but it didn't feel like it lent itself enough to actually being, uh, like, it, it could have gone further with that choice, and I don't think that it did. See, because I, I almost missed all of that because I was like, you know what, for the hell of it, I'm just going to skim forward a little bit, see if they tacked on a stupid post credit scene, <laughs> and they they didn't. Okay, uh, good. Which, yeah, uh, so that's how I found all those little tonally clashing behind the scenes things mm-hmm. it yeah I, and my whole thing is like there are mo- there are moments in this movie where it does feel self-aware and ridiculous and like like it's trying to make a b movie but then it doesn't fully commit to that 
it like no. st- it straddles that line as well of like well let's try to make a good movie but also make the make this like campy ridiculous sort of thing that like does not it's it's jarring to deal with tonally again yeah i feel like if i had more familiarity with the anime manga i i wouldn't know if that was the tone originally set it i don't to be think it was over the top or big or played straight i i just have no idea but like as an outside viewer it just was this weird shift to me it just felt so weird but i would have been fine with it if it had fully committed to it and had been kind of like a like a almost like a dark comedy sort of thing Mm -hmm. but it never fully goes there like if it was like the level of like tucker and dale versus evil sort of thing of or just like movies like that where it's just like there's all this gore and murder and horror elements, but it's also a comedy in parts. Which I, I, I think one of these reviews said that one of the the guys from Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, the special effects guys, worked on this too. Oh, I did yeah. not know that. That's a weird coincidence. It said one of these reviews. Okay, we'll, we'll but, yeah, it, let's, but yeah, let's get to the paste one, which is the. This is yeah. the positive. Yeah, this is the positive. You can call it positive. The positive. It's I'm the the one positive. I'm I was supposed to get, even though I was really supposed to get two, because yeah. my brain is tired today. <laughs> this movie just like made me lose my sense of reality for a little yes. bit. <laughs> but yeah, it um. I'm trying to think of where to even start with the paste review because the paste review goes into a lot while still yeah. being very positive. Well, the review goes into saying that this the film sprints through these formalities, meaning introducing all of these concepts and characters. Uh, it kind of just throws you right in. Yeah, it uh, felt like I missed like two episodes of a TV show yes. or something. It's like they just wanted to get right into it. Um, let's see, Wingard and. Tattersall opt for a deeply arched tone uh, with canted angles and heightened neon lighting everywhere. Which, okay, I did not realize that, because Tattersall is the the director of photography, and I didn't realize that he did Speed Racer, which totally worked. Like, that totally makes sense with me. And honestly, for as many problems as this movie had, I did enjoy looking at it for more often than not, because it's like the choices that they were making were very much like Wachowski style of this weird tonal sort of neon lighting sort of thing that it just was very stylistic which i I thought worked really well i didn't really notice it but like looking back like oh yeah they did have some nice kind of lighting and cinematography but it was just because what i was watching the the characters and it's like i just don't give a shit about any of you i paid attention (laughs) less to that i was less aware Uh uh-huh See, I just have like I just have like cinematography brain, so I always am just like, oh, that looks cool, or that looks really ridiculous. Like the the shot where Elle is talking, uh, like doing the press conference, and it's just the American flag waving in the background. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh my god! Like it it looked cool, but I also was like, that is so ham fisted that it kind of makes me mad. (laughs) So there's one thing in this review that they talk about positively. I feel like. Um, Death Note also builds on Wingard's real strength as a filmmaker, his uncanny use of soundtrack music. I... I did not like the music at all. I don't know how... I don't know how I feel about it. I thought it was so out of place using all of this weird synth-pop 80s songs. It was like trying to be like, hey, you guys probably saw Stranger Things. 
Um, well, okay, but it, it is kind of like I I've seen um, Your Next, which is one of his other movies. I don't remember a whole lot from it because I watched it like forever ago. But like, and I, I start, I've like ha- I've seen half of The Guest. I never actually ended up finishing it, but that was because like some uh, family emergency came up, and then I never got a chance to finish it. But like, that's kind of his style from my understanding is kind of using these weird bizarre soundtracks but to me I didn't start to actively notice the soundtrack until the third act in which case I'm like you should have had that level throughout the entire movie that yeah, goes back to the I thing like of started... like the B movie sort of thing if you had if you had gone with that and fully ran with that the entire movie I would have been way more on board with it but in the third act it makes it so much more like when they when they get to the homecoming and it's like there's there's weird covers of like 80 songs like well, it took me out of take it take my breath away which yes uh, that was the one that i was like <laughs> really i like i think i audibly said that when it started because like it was so out of place it's funny though because like i feel like someone could do a study of what music is played in teen dance scenes in movies not that one well no you could you could throw them in like you could do a study of like what is done in like which which songs are thrown in that you could see actually played at a homecoming dance and which ones you couldn't because i remember hearing some people when spider-man homecoming came out that were like there's no way that their school is that cool to be playing whatever song it was during the homecoming dance like it was some really like indie song that would not even remotely be popular enough to play at the homecoming, which this kind yeah. of felt like that to an extent. But then when it got, when it got to take my breath away, I was just like, Oh God. And everyone, every song is like, like a lot of those songs then deliberately had like death and life sort of themes. It was literally like they, the, like the, the writers literally just Googled songs with death in them. Well, and when it got like, I, you said you audibly groaned. I groaned in the scene at the Ferris wheel when it, when I just saw it, cause I have subtitles on cause I always am I'm weird and I like having subtitles on, but something when it, when it just says in brackets, Chicago's, I don't want to live without your love begins playing. I was just like, Oh God. It's so on the oh, nose. Yeah. Cause, uh, the, the pace review says that death note has its share of eighties pops and clunky synth waves, chunky, including, Oh, chunky. Yeah. yeah. Including a track from makeup and vanity set. And it talks about the Chicago song. Uh, the song yeah. O-Face Balladry undercuts the tacky melodrama of the film's conclusion. Yes, yes, yes. yes well, while also ironically commenting on the viciousness of their relationship, which by the end is escalating in attempts for them to kill each other using the death note. This is the poison heart of the film, and Wingard accents it beautif- in a beautifully over-the-top <clears throat> fashion. But see, that's Does my he, though? But, like, that's my issue, is that it got so over-the-top in the third act... The, and like, or like, I guess really the second half of the movie, the part where it got like, what the fuck to me was when it, the when they started like killing all of the police officers, when like that whole thing, like everything from there on, I was just like, this is bonkers. But I wanted that level of bonkers from the beginning, or I wanted it to not be that crazy at the end. It was just such an escalation in terms of, like, how over-the-top and campy that it went, in terms of, like, how people were dying and the music that was being used and everything. And it just was so weird. Yeah, I feel like... I don't know if this movie was just kind of made by committee and everyone kind of pitched their own thing. I don't think so, though. That's the weird thing. 
like, let's throw this in and this in. And, yeah, I've, this movie, it needed a different kind of soundtrack or just... Or fully commit to the soundtrack. Don't don't. Yeah, give me like, if it was established the from the beginning, like, if it opened with 80s synth pop, cool. You're establishing that from the beginning. But it but didn't. But when you throw that in, like, two acts in... Yeah. Then I'm, I'm going to groan yeah or like i don't know maybe it did open with 80s stuff and we just didn't notice but like the song at the beginning was such like borderline emo just like teenage trash music that 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 was what i thought we were going to get through the whole movie and not this kind of like take my breath away nonsense (laughs) now i want an american musical version of death note that's all with just take 80s. my breath away it's just a jukebox musical of 80 songs with death note <laughs> that would be insane that would be fantastic it would make me so happy but yeah it like this the review goes on to say the the film boldly toes the line between sharp self-awareness and goofiness two gears that tend to rub audiences the wrong way no matter what faint praise this may be but it's one of the few american anime adaptations to possess any identity whatsoever let alone comment on and reconfigure the original text in interesting ways i don't agree with the second half of that but i do agree like it has an identity even if the identity is bad it was at least trying to make something new, even if, I mean, like, I don't know. It was at least, yeah. it was trying. Whereas, like, from my understanding. I give them credit for that. Yeah, I give them credit for trying, even if the trying was bad. Even if the trying was it's halfway. Flawed. even Yeah, even if it was halfway between, like, this faithful adaptation and a completely OC thing. Whereas, like, I don't know. And I think it, yeah. Like, the BuzzFeed review, just to jump a little bit ahead, I remember, like, the tagline of it is, like, hey, at least it's better than Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> which, like... Yeah. It, which will... That's a whole thing. Which, like, I, I get that to an extent because at least... I don't know. I give it credit, but I also don't give it credit because it feels like this weird thing. Because, like, Ghost in the Shell, from my understanding, I never ended up seeing it. It just completely... Like, the the excuse for whitewashing and the excuse for making the story more, like, universally American and whatever is just, like, it's a Japanese woman's brain inside a white woman's body. Yeah, just to really drive in the point that we're whitewashing this. But, like, with this, the the interesting thing with this is that there's no, it's, it's such colorblind casting that it, the fact that it's colorblind makes it really jarring. Because, like, mm-hmm. having Elle still be played by a person of color, even if that person of color isn't Asian, creates a completely different context, but the movie never addresses that context. Okay, so let me punt the brakes here for a moment, which the movie could not do to save its life. Um, can we talk about Elle? Yes. Yes, we what can talk about What the fuck Elle. was that? <laughs> One in particular. All of it. <laughs> okay, so from my understanding... He is just that's that his character traits in the source material are just that he's a detective who's really smart and does not like to talk to people. He likes candy and he likes sitting in that position where he's like kind of squatting on his legs. His eccentricities were so tonally clashing with everything else. But from my understanding, I, that is like one of the most faithful adaptations to the source material. Really? Is like he completely gets like the posing and the the character ticks and everything. From my understanding, it didn't resonate well with a lot of people, but 
he no, at least like, he at least was doing those same things and not trying to completely craft this character that wasn't the same character. I think part of it, what took me out of it was this guy is so cartoony that no one else is like, oh, this guy's really fucking weird. Let's not interact with him. Like everyone just bought into it like it was nothing. Yeah. It, he's like, I'm going to leap and jump onto chairs and hide my face. And it's like, okay, cool. We're just all going to accept this. It's, like, it's okay, like borderline cool. Sherlock Holmes. If Sherlock Holmes yeah. was insane and like character, like had all of these bizarre character tics that were cartoony instead of just like kind of being an asshole. And he has this weird backstory that is never really explained well. Oh my god, explained that well. backstory makes me so mad. Like they gloss over it so quickly just because... They need to get to it for and the sake I don't of the story. Know, and, and again, I don't know if that is a source material thing because obviously they're I taking. I feel like it is. Obviously, but, they're taking liberties with it by having it be. Oh well, it was this like it was this group in Montauk, New York that was. And he was experimented or something. It, it I don't wasn't know. even that he was experimented on. It was that they took they like raised children to be super detectives. Which is such a, I like, again, that could be a thing from the original material. But it also I, is weird throwing the Montauk thing in there. And it just felt like someone Googled Montauk and then was like, oh. It would, it's, it's such a weird setting because, like, if you're not familiar with kind of the cryptic urban myth of Montauk in, like, American mythology. It's such a weird juxtaposition. It's such a random thing to throw in. that's not how any of the Montauk experiment actually, like, that doesn't line up with any of the Montauk experiment. Like, all of that stuff was, like, time travel and superpowers and super soldiers and all that sort of stuff. And the Montauk monster thing. Yeah. It's such a weird thing that that was one of the things that kind of, fell apart when they're trying to adapt this from the anime. It's like there's not a direct kind of analog, so it's like, ah, oh, this will be the closest thing that we it's could like use. It's like you could have just made it anywhere. Like you didn't have, you really that, have. that personally bothered me because I was like, you don't get to do that and then completely just make it this weird thing that does not exist at all. It had no bearing at all. It could have been like a, a building down the block from where Light lived. It could have been on the fucking moon, but it it didn't matter. Well, and then that whole plot line of the one Asian supporting character in this movie that is a literal anime adaptation, he is, like, basically just, like, a, he's, he's turned into, like, a video game character where it's like, hey, go off and find information for me, and I'm going to control you the whole time. And then he does, and then he gets so close to finding the information, and then he dies. It was such a cliche thing. It's like, I'm about to say the vital information, but I have to pause because I'm about to die. It's like, oh, God damn it. But, oh, wait, no, let's not forget. Uh, I forget his name, but one of the main characters from Heroes oh, yeah, is Masioka. in this for, like, all of, yeah, Masioka. All of, like, 30 seconds. He produced the movie. So oh. that's part of why. It was just like, hey, can I act in it for, like, 30 seconds? Okay, cool. And then, but yeah, so there are... That's unfortunate. There's there's him, there's the Asian guy that dies, and then there's the vaguely Asian kid that they put the top hat on at the school dance. Those are the three Asian also, people. Also, I could go on for, like, 10 minutes about the stupid top hat. Who the fuck wears There's that? such a, like, trench coat mafia neckbeard kind of thing. It's like he may as well be wearing a fedora. It is. It's like I, I got the 
contrived plotness of that of like oh well if he wears the trench or if he wears the top hat then then it's harder for people to find him at the dance and whatever but it was such a it was such a weird thing which like i'm gonna go into the buzzfeed in like the buzzfeed review to kind of talk about yeah let's start that yeah by by putting this in like an american context it half addresses the white kid school shooter mentality but it also doesn't it would have been much more interesting if it went all in with that direction. But like I said, if if you had made this movie and you had just said it's Death Note adjacent, it like has death it has the Death Note play a factor, but it's all this entire these entirely new characters. You could have had the main character fully be that kind of trope and fully go there with it. Whereas with this one, it was like they, they went there, but then they immediately pulled, tried to pull back in a way. Because it's like, well, he still has to be our main character, and he still is the main character from the source material that people really like. Yeah, so we can't completely have him unrelatable, and we need people to cheer for him, kind of. When I did not cheer for him at all. Oh, no, in not the at ending all. Mo- moments of the movie, I'm like, you are not this is not good, this is really contrived. Like, the whole thing at the end, when he wakes up from the coma, and then you can see, like, all of the leaps that he went through to be able to save himself from the the Ferris wheel thing. I'm like, how am I supposed to root for you? He's so irredeemable. Well, and, like, yeah, I'm going to find the bit in the BuzzFeed interview. It says, let's see... In headphones, a flop of home-bleached hair, and a black t-shirt, Wolf isn't just sporting a general uniform of teenage outsiders, outcasts, and burnouts. It's a look that, in combination with the aura of resentment accompanying it, feels intended to bring to mind some more specific connotations. Um, Death Note's anti-hero is, like them, a spree killer, albeit one whose journey of mass murder is meant to better the world as well as serve a sense of an act of ego. Light isn't just any young white man. His look evokes a very specific sort of white young white man, the kind that make up the majority of mass shooters in the united states he comes into possession with something scarier than a gun and it allows him to blah 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 blah. but yeah it's it's that same sort of thing it's like you could have fully gone with it and made a movie like allegoring that sort of trope but instead they half did it and then or it it almost didn't even feel intentional it was like I'm like, are you deliberately trying to make him seem like a school shooter, or are you, or is it just a coincidence? Because he has, he has all you know the typical uh, things you would expect of that kind of mass shooter. He's white, white kid, chip on his shoulder, goes to high school, bullied, uh, problem child. I mean, we first he's like selling. What essays in the beginning? He's okay. So that, that's what's weird to me is that it's like, oh, he's selling essays. But the first, the only thing we ever see him do is fill out someone's math homework, and then they like give him money for it. And so I'm like, oh, that was weird. But yeah, yeah, it's like they're not even consistent with that. But yeah, it's very much this kind of serial killer, school shooter sort of mentality. But it never fully goes there. I feel like the the writers weren't smart enough to tackle that anyways well and then throwing it in throwing in this weird curveball of having mia kind of be the villain for a hot minute was then kind of frustrating too because it's like i don't know what 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 end point you're really trying to get at here by having her like outsmart light and having this whole sort of thing I don't know. It was just kind of weird because I liked her. I was like, this is, she is an interesting character. She's cute. She's like, this is 
somewhat more enjoyable because she's here, even though she mm-hmm. is absolutely ridiculous. Like her very first scene when she's smoking a cigarette during cheerleading practice, I'm like, what is going on? But yeah, and it, like if then it goes from that to making her this like so one note, one dimensional character. Yeah, she's the she's what keeps pushing light. It's like, no, we should keep killing these people they deserve it kind of things like no 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 we can't we got to stop we're going too far but only when Um, she's about to kill his dad yeah (laughs) which is so weird because it's convenient for the plot yeah you could have addressed this like you could have even done a thing with this movie where you could have had them commit the 400 murders and then the rest of the movie is them going oh shit what did we do these people have families blah 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 like kind of wrestling with the actual like moral issues with it but instead they're Mm -hmm. just like nope i'm gonna keep doing it this is okay and it's like what is going on another thing about we never see like her family like what's her her deal we 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 see her we see her room at the end of the movie when they conveniently find the calculus book but yeah we never see because all she says is like i was a cheerleader my life meant nothing before i met you and i'm like what is going on (laughs) like i need to know more about are you are you doing this just because you're bored? Are you doing it because you're a sadist? Do you have some sort of actual chip on your shit? Like, what's your deal? I don't know. She just seemed like this. I don't know. It was so weird. She yeah. got clingy real fast. Yeah. Well, and well, so did he. Oh God. Well, and it's like they they start talking to each other, and then by the end of the very first day, they're, like, having sex. <laughs> like, yeah. They both found each other's kink, and that's killing people through Death Note. <laughs> I don't mean to kink shame, but if your kink is Death Note, then... If your kink is murder... I'm gonna kink shame you. Going... There's, like, a bit in the BuzzFeed review that says, there's no space here for the prolonged battle of intellects between Elle and Light that forms the backbone of the anime series. One of the unfortunate realizations as Death Note turns onwards is that it would have been better off either cutting Elle or cutting Mia and focusing on Light's relationship with whichever character remained. I feel like they either had to make this a show to better expand upon that or cut Mia and have a more interesting cat and mouse game between L and Light. Yeah, cuz it never it never really manifests in the way cuz from from my understanding in the source material it's all just like whenever they're meeting face to face it's like oh shit they're going to like verbally outsmart each other and be this whole fascinating thing but like when they meet at the gelato shop or whatever i didn't get that feeling at all it's just like i know you're kira wait what no i'm not enjoy the gelato i'm gonna leave now it's like yeah so stupid yeah i because because everything is so condensed into this like less than two hour movie that we don't have time to breathe and feel the stakes of what's going on it's like it's like oh yeah we just killed 400 people like what yeah that's just I, that's like, just a like that's just a footnote in this movie. Yeah, and and then L suddenly comes in. It's like I'm gonna stop him. I'm the best detective there is. By the way, I'm quirky. I, I <laughs> I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. I don't fit in, <sighs> and I don't want to. Have fit you in. seen me with this stupid without mask the and stupid hat on? It's like if everyone in this movie fits that description. Like, that entire... The tagline of this movie could just be that whole speech from Riverdale. Yeah. 
God. Well, and, okay, so that that provides a good kind of moment for me to talk about the the thing that I said I would talk about. So when Lakeith Stanfield did his interview, who plays L? Yeah, who plays L? When he did his interview with ComicBook.com on the press junket, it was the weirdest interview anyone in our site has ever had to deal with in our entire lives. Because from my understanding, he did the entire press junket in character, but then also turned it up even more. Because, like, so I I had heard the whole thing about him doing it in character, and I was like, okay, so his character is absolutely, like, a weirdo. But in the actual movie, his quirks were not as insane as what he had almost done on the press tour to the point where I'm like, what is going on? It was so weird. But so there was a whole thing and I'm trying to think of how to tell the story because I had heard it secondhand. So I don't want to get the details really wrong, but it basically, he offered our interview guy a bagel that he got from craft services and he and so like during the interview and he's like oh okay cool because because he said yeah i've offered this to three different people already and they already everyone said no and so our guy is obviously like well i'm going to see what happens so then he he offers to take it and then he's just sitting there holding a bagel and then he goes (laughs) he goes i put my foot all over that so you probably don't want to eat it and then our guy's just uh, like, okay. And then he's just continuing the on and asking all these questions and doing whatever. And then at one point during the interview, he takes off his shoes and our guy is asking him a question. And there's video of this. I will link to it in our description from this episode. But so he he takes off his shoes and is staring straight at our camera guy and holds his foot up to his mouth and starts licking his toes. Uh, so anyways, Death Note <laughs> is a movie. <laughs> That is out on Netflix. I don't understand it. Like, dude, you're not, you're not some great character actor, and quit, quit your bullshit. Well, so guess what? Two days after that, he tweeted that he wants to play the Joker in Martin Scorsese's Joker movie. Okay, Mister Edge Lord, just please stop. He would somehow be like, it, it would be somehow worse behind the scenes than Jared Leto, because it seems almost like that sort of thing of like. I'm Jared Leto. I'm going to be quirky. I'm going to do weird stuff to my co-stars and make them feel really uncomfortable and whatever. It almost felt like that with this. And it's so I weird. Don't understand him. I don't. I don't know. It makes sense that he's in this movie. I've liked him in other things. I've seen him in other things and I thought he was totally great. And then it's this somehow awoke this like weird part of his personality where I'm like, okay, you do you, I guess. <laughs> Outside of Defoe and the the dad, I don't know anyone else from this. Oh, Masioka. Yeah. So, fun fact about um, the kid who played Light. So, he... I'm trying to think. Okay, so he used to be in the Naked Brothers Band on Nickelodeon. Like, that... Half of these reviews are, like, former... I don't know that thing. Yeah, it was, like, a TV show. It was him and his little brother, and they were, like, quasi-Jonas Brothers... It was like, um, we have our own band, we're so cool, but also, like, I'm 12 and my little brother's 7, woohoo! Like, it was so, it was such a, like, early 2000s Nickelodeon sort of thing. But so he went from that to being in, like, The Fault in Our Stars and in a couple of other, like, teen romance movies and stuff, and he kind of got his thing in from there. But so then there was a moment in our culture that I remember distinctly where he was on every single fucking shortlist for any popular role that involved a white teenage kid. 
So Spider-Man, he was on the shortlist. Everyone thought he was going to be Spider-Man for like a hot minute. Uh, Young Han Solo, he was also on the shortlist. Well, thank God he wasn't any of those things because... Then he had time to be in Death Note. Yeah, his... I'll say he's not the best actor, but he's not the worst. I can't remember which review we have talks about it. Oh, it's Paste. So... They they compare him to early Nicolas Cage, and that is a perfect comparison. He should just fully commit to that. Just cage it. Insane Nicolas Cage. Just keep picking yeah. weirder movies. Keep, like, it, it's so bizarre. Just make 50 movies a year and just play the same thing, <laughs> and you'll be fine. Yes. Oh, God. But, yeah, it, like... I'm so glad that... Because I hadn't really seen him act in a couple of years, so I was like... I don't know, watching this, then it made me really thankful that he never became any sort of actual, like, popular part, because that would have been bad. I'm trying to think of what else we want to say on the BuzzFeed. Yeah, I'm I'm looking over the BuzzFeed one now, too. It it talks about the whitewashing thing. It says, Death Note isn't an act of cultural ventriloquism or cringy orientalism. It's an earnest, ludicrously overstuffed attempt at reworking the original story for an American context. Which, like, is true. And I don't think that it's, I don't know. I think in that regard, I give it a little bit more respect than Ghost in the Shell. Because it could have been, like, set in a different, like, this movie could have been set in a different place with everyone still being white. But at least they tried to Americanize it, even though they didn't fully go, I don't know. Yeah, where Death Note, or uh, Ghost in the Shell, was blatant whitewashing and taking the the POC character and just turning her into mayo. Yeah. Well, like my whole thing with yeah, my whole thing with L that I kind of hinted on a little bit before is like if you're going to have a like black detective police officer that's in charge of this whole um in charge of this whole operation and you don't address his race, it's this weird conundrum sort of thing where it's like I, I don't know. It almost felt like there, there's a bit in this review that kind of says um, to classify it as straightforward whitewashing is to suggest that Lakeith Stanfield, who plays one of the other two main characters, is effectively white, protesting one act of erasure by committing another kind. Which is so that's kind of the thing is like it it makes the story so mayo that the race never factors into it. When I feel like it could have if this was like a series. Yeah, if they had more time to delve into these issues and these plot points and let them breathe and kind of sink into them, it would have been much better. I I would hope. And like, I would have very, I would have a way less issues with Elle's character if this was a series, because there would be more time to kind of go into his, his backstory and his motivation. And I would be really fascinated by that. Cause it's like, Oh cool. We get like a black Sherlock Holmes who has all these weird quirks, but is also really smart and interesting. Like, and has this weird backstory of being raised as a child with other people to be the greatest detectives ever. And it's like, I want to know more about them, but you're making me not care about this cool concept. You're making him the third or like fourth build really character in this movie and not giving that whole thing any sort of development yeah it's just it's just so weird yeah everything about this is flawed in some way it's funny because it's like Willem Dafoe was good but then every review is like hey he was kind of boring yeah like he was just kind of there he didn't really have 
anything to do until the third act. And then it's like... He was... He was yeah. Well, and then it's kind of that trope of, like, the, the dumb protagonist who underestimates the magical force that they're involved with or whatever, and then it very obviously bites them in the ass. It's like, if you had actually paid attention to Willem Dafoe's character a little bit more, you would not be in this situation. But instead, yeah, he's just like, oh, you're fine. Willem Dafoe's character was basically a giant red flag, and light did not pay attention to it. Well, and, like, my whole thing is that I've heard people campaign, and now seeing this movie, I kind of understand it, that, like, it would be interesting to see some sort of other live-action Death Note thing about Willem Dafoe's character. And, like, getting into the mythology of that and getting into how that all works and whatever and actually giving him things to do instead of just, like, chewing the scenery, basically. Yes, I... I I'm yes and no yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, I feel like if this was a series or if this movie was handled differently and yeah. gave him more to do, I, I would like that. But also, if it was more centered on like a whole separate movie centered on Defoe's character, uh-huh. I don't know if I'd like that because I guess part of the allure of it is like we don't know his whole backstory and where he comes from. I kind of like that mystery. Yeah, I can't like, remember. I know it's, it's almost it's almost like a midichlorian thing. It's like, I don't need to know where the Force comes from. I just accept it. Kind of like his character. He's like this just god of death. Um, you can, like, maybe hint at where he comes from or just give him more to do. I don't know. Well, and yeah. so what's interesting is that there are very strong hints that there will be a sequel to this movie. Like, Yeah. Like, and even just within the narrative, like, the whole thing of, like, Light never knowing Elle's name and the just the way that it kind of ends and God the like that ending was so bad the landing yeah. that it tried to stick and then I'd be curious to see if I'd be curious to see if for the sequel if it if it gets made if they continue with their plan or if they pivot and the Death Note lands with someone else because see I think it would be interesting because the movie kind of ends with Willem Dafoe's character just being like huh, humans are interesting and then it ends and it's like and I I'd feel like, like to see him go, go fuck, fuck with other humans yeah exactly that's what I mean when I say like give him kind of his own spinoff is oh, like okay. like not necessarily getting giving him like an origin story but just giving him a different context with a different person holding the Death Note and give him more to do because with yeah. this, it's, like, so overstuffed with other plot that he just kind of is in the background. Like, make him more of, like, a trick, like, he show that he's pulling strings more instead of just kind of there. And it's like, hey, nice, nice job, job, you killed some people. people. You know what I think would be, I think would be interesting is if, if I were making a Death Note sequel, if I, if, like, gun to my head, I had to write a Death Note movie that just had to take pieces but not involve necessarily the same characters, I would almost do a version of the what happened in the first season of Preacher, which is, like, I would set Death Note in the smallest, like, podunk weird town and have some character get the Death Note and have Willem Dafoe show up, and then it just turns into this whole thing of, like, dealing with the society of a really small town when people randomly start dying because of this person. Yeah. I think that would be a really cool... That'd be a cool way of doing it instead of this big, like, globe-trotting... Because there's no way to one-up this in a sequel. He's literally... Other than continuing to be Kira, there's no way to, like, go bigger than having it be, like, this worldwide serial killer sort of thing. I don't know if it needs to maybe 
be bigger necessarily, but maybe go the opposite. Go go. What they need to do is go smaller and more personal. That's what I mean. And more um, yeah, just that's what they need to do. Don't try, don't try to one up yourself with that big cool set piece of the Ferris wheel. Well, like, and that's why I'm saying, like, set it in a completely different setting. Because I feel yeah. like when you put something in a city, in a lot of cases, you get that kind of larger-than-life <clears throat> scale. Whereas like, I feel like putting it in a small if, town would be cool. Or even if they sh- want to show us, like, what happens with the Death Note right before this movie starts. Like, where was it before? It's kind of like, yeah. it's like Avatar The Last Airbender sort of thing, where it's like you can go to any pinpoint in the lineage and focus on that sort of. Yeah. yeah. Like a period piece Death Note would be really cool of like. Like, yeah. yeah. If you, if, if these guys are fans of 80s pop synth, then just set it in like 80s Japan or something. Or like I don't know. the 50s. That would be really yeah. fun. Because it's like, it says it's been around as long as time. So it's like, just set it in this weird anachronism of a time period to where then you get a completely different movie. Yeah, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if any of the original anime or manga kind of has that anthology aspect to it where we're shown the death note throughout time or history or if it's something that's just like uh, hinted at but that would be a cool new angle to go with showing or who are past possessors of the death note and and it'd be i mean like you could do you could do so many different angles with it you could have it be where it's like oh jack the ripper really had the death note or like you can just completely it's like it's like Doctor Who level of like completely rewriting hi- like history by putting it in the context of a, of Death Note. Like they hint at one possible story they could do in in the movie, and I don't again I don't know if this is something from the canon, but uh, Defoe's Riot is that his name? Riot. I'll, I'll just Defoe's character. Uh, He's talking to Light, and he's like, oh, what if I write your name in the book? And he's like, oh, good luck. Most people have only got to two letters. I want to see one like, of the I cases wanna see, when that happens. I want to see that person, yeah. yeah. I want to see the person who got to two letters and... How death. they got to uh, that point. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really interesting. There are a lot of stories to tell that don't involve Ellen Light. Yes. There's so much potential with this little concept that... They just kind of failed to make it interesting, but which is a shame. I like. I hope if they actually do end up making a sequel, that they do kind of have that angle with it, because I feel like that's the only way to realistically get it to be able to sustain. Because, like from what I, from what I understand, the the Death Note anime is also on Netflix. So it's like if 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 I was Netflix, I would have it be where it's like you can watch the source material and it's this story with this cast of characters and blah blah yeah. blah blah and then you can also watch the first movie which adapts that cast of characters but then it builds off in the rest of the films to something completely different. Yeah, because I don't know how much of the official canon focuses on light and L. I, I, I don't know offhand. We're going to have like a couple anime people who end up listening to this just to like listen to someone talk about Death Note and they're going to be like, you know nothing. Ah! Don't, I'm just going to say right now, <laughs> don't, don't at me. You can add us, but it's fine. I mean, like, I'll probably find out all of the answers to all of these questions at some point, but it's also like we don't need a really long diatribe about whether or not we have a good idea of what the canon is because we don't know we're just watching this as a movie and after this movie 
it makes me less interested into delving in. I, I don't, I disagree. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm sure like the, the official stuff is fine and good, but it's just, there's a lot and I, I wouldn't know where to start. And I just, like I said, I have a lot on my plate. It's one of those things where I would put a pin in it. I would be like, one day I will watch the original Death Note. But, and like now I'm more willing to do that than I was before I watched this movie. Yeah, just for the sake of supporting like the original material that isn't whitewashed. Yeah, well, and just kind of seeing like how it actually does. I wouldn't completely dive into every piece of canon, but just going a little bit further, I think would be something that I would be willing to do. So. But then again, don't don't listen to me because this is coming from the person who watches eight hours of Chopped every day. So you know, take my opinion with a grain of salt. Yeah, and and I'm also the person who has been watching like video game playthroughs on YouTube for the past month. So like we're we have. So I clearly value my time. Yeah, we we have interesting ways of how to spend our time. But I'm trying to deliberately get into more like actual content. But yeah, um, trying to think of what else we want to say. Oh. This is basically dark Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, it is. Because I, I, I said that during the movie, and it, it dawned on me more and more. The whole, like, <laughs> the whole third act with it being the homecoming dance, and then the scene when he, like, runs down the hallway and goes to his locker and does whatever. I'm like, this is somehow completely coincidentally, this is dark Spider-Man Homecoming. Which is funny now that I know that he was almost potentially Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, and then there's, like, even the rest of the third act is almost, like, a, a weird Frankenstein's monster of tropes from other Spider-Man movies. Because it's, like, the the whole thing of the, the Ferris wheel breaking and Mia oh, almost falling off of it gave me really big... Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy vibes of like the whole that whole sequence and I was just like oh god these people must really like Spider-Man <laughs> they I, they have to I I can't explain it any other way It's so weird Yeah I don't know would you recommend that people watch this movie I'd say just just watch the original anime if that's on Netflix It is apparently Think, just, just go, go watch, watch that, that instead. instead. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I don't know. Watch this if you want to get drunk. If you if you need something in the background or can't decide on anything on Netflix. But yeah, I would recommend a drunk viewing of this. Or find a drinking game. There has to be a drinking game. <clears throat> and there has to be. And play that and get absolutely shit-faced and have fun. Because I feel like that would make this a little bit more enjoyable. <laughs> but... Yeah, I don't even know how we play the last segment of our episode. I hadn't even planned for that. This movie, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't want anyone in anything. <laughs> no, I don't want Nat Wolf in anything. Nope. I No. The girl, I could almost see in something, mm-hmm. in some sort of superhero something. She had kind of like a, like... Teen Titan-y kind of vibe yeah. at moments where I'm like, yeah, you could be like someone on the Titans TV show, but I don't necessarily know who. But I don't know. Just I'll just say Willem Dafoe for all things. Yeah, Willem Dafoe already. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's already an Aquaman, so he's good, I guess, on that 
front. It makes me really curious what his Aquaman role is actually going to be. Because I'm like, you don't just cast Willem Dafoe in a part that is really small. Like, he has to have some sort of... Oh, I know what they're going to do with his character. I know where they're going to go. Okay. Do tell. Just uh, 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 Throne of Atlantis. Oh, okay. That's what you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. I trust you. I just thought of a really weird suggestion for, and you would probably, you're probably going to cringe a little bit, but I feel like this could work for who, like what the director of Death Note could direct in terms of a superhero thing or a comic book thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it involves music and it also involves murder. And I'm not saying this would be the best choice, but if you were going for a full like campy B movie sort of choice, I could see him directing The Wicked and the Divine. Uh, in a way, in a way, it wouldn't be the yeah. best version, but I would be curious to see what he would do with it. He's he's definitely not writing it for sure. But it's just I I would be really interested because of like how he uses music being so particular yeah. and. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's I could, I, I could see him could directing go. an episode of the TV show that they're. Yeah, if if like everything's already established, like not the pilot. Yeah, definitely. But so I I could see him kind of lending his talents to that for a bit, but not really being the definitive person to handle that series. Yeah. yeah, like he could just play around in that world for an episode. Exactly. I would be really curious how that would go. I think it would be kind of cool to see. Because, like, it kind of pinpoints what I did like about his directing style, which is, like, the cinematography, parts of the music, depending on how they're used, and then, like, the the stylistic kind of violence of it all. Yeah. Okay. You make a good case for it. Aw. Yay. But, yeah, so I think that wraps it up. I think so, too. Um, where can people find you on Twitter, should you wish to be found? You can find me at the Chris Vitto on Twitter. And anything else you want to plug? Um, no, I think I'm good. All right. You'll be watching Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives <laughs> from yeah, blah, 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 blah. I'll be lounging on the couch watching Triple D and Triple G. Awesome goals though like honestly yeah, right. right so good but um and you can find me on twitter at hey it's jenna lynn there you can find all of my articles on comicbook.com some of which are about the death note movie which i might write uh, i might end up being being more willing to write about them now that i've actually seen the movie because <laughs> beforehand it was this weird mental exercise of like how can i do this without wording things to make it seem like i don't know anything about this <laughs> So now I'm, yeah, now I'm a little more able to do that, but yeah, so you can find my articles and you can also find as of this week, which this is 15 or so weeks in the making. So it's kind of nice. Um, you can start finding episodes of delicious flavor, which is my other podcast. I actually started it before tomato tomato was officially born. So part of it was like, 
podcasts are fun. Chris and I should do one. And then that was kind of how that came about. But so Delicious Flavor is a rewatch podcast for Psych. So if you enjoy Psych and want to hear me and two other people talk about it, and we record all of our episodes really late at night, so we're very loopy and go off topic, <laughs> then you can definitely check that out. We are going to start having more and more episodes come out. So, yeah. Um, I guess that's it. I guess that's it. All right. Um, until next time, keep watching movies. Bye.